Well, uh, the lights are out, as we can all see. And wait a minute. What the? Oh, my God! God almighty, what a kick right to Arn Anderson's face. There's Cody. Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast. I'm your host, Gentleman Ian, and by the end of this show, you will be completely up to date with everything that is making headlines in the world of professional wrestling this week. We are recording this the morning of Saturday, July 10th, and it was a fairly significant week in the world of professional wrestling, and I thought it was interesting that last week when we did this show, the top story in wrestling was Zelina Vega showing up on SmackDown after having been gone for more than half a year, after an incredibly public, let's say, brouhaha with WWE, a very public brouhaha with WWE over unionization, third parties, independent contractor status. After all of that, Zelina Vega's back. And that's the biggest news story in professional wrestling last week, but the biggest news story in professional wrestling this week is that five days after Zelina Vega showed up on SmackDown, her husband, I think they're married. If they're not married, they're like, they've been together for a while. Five days after Zelina Vega shows up on SmackDown, Malachi Black, the former Aleister Black, the former Tommy End, he shows up on AEW Dynamite. Bunch of other stuff happened this week, too. Bailey is out injured. Jimmy Uso was arrested and a whole lot more. But let's start off with Malachi Black showing up in AEW on Dynamite this week. What a shocking debut! I had no earthly idea this man was even... He just disappeared and... Clearly, clearly Arn Anderson, Cody Rhodes had no idea either. So Malachi Black's debut in AEW was actually teased earlier that day in a video that he put out on social media. So he releases this video on, on social media. It's like a little movie. It's, it's uh, you know, just, it's him. He's in some type of asylum. Some doctors are telling him he's made no progress in the last five years, which is uh, more very likely a reference to the near exact five years he spent in WWE. He was signed by WWE in June of 2016, and he was released on June 2nd of 2021. So very close to being exactly five years. So the doctors are saying, you've made no progress in five years. You're not taking your medication. You're not going to your meetings. They removed some bandage from his eye. And you'd see when he would debut in AEW later, he had like, they had put makeup or something on his eye to make it look like there had been all this bruising. And so they refer to him as Tommy End, but he eventually says, my name's not Tommy End, it's Malachi Black. 
There's a big bloody scene. I think he killed some doctors in there. So there was a lot to take in. But that was that was released Wednesday afternoon. Then we get to Dynamite. And in the first match on Dynamite, it was the South Beach strap match between Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. Kind of early in that match, the lights go out completely. And you think, okay, this is the kind of thing where somebody's going to come out, right? Like all of the lights going out usually means when they come back on, something's going to happen. But that's not what happened this time. The lights come back on and Cody kind of shrugged like, what the heck was that? And then on commentary, I think it was Jim Ross said something like, uh, we've been having technical difficulties throughout the day. You know, and it's also their first uh, show back on the road. So you think like, okay, well, you know, maybe there's some some hiccups here or whatever. But it also kind of felt like, all right, technical difficulties usually don't look like that. You know, technical difficulties, you'll have some lights go out, but not others. You'll have lights flickering, but whatever. So, like, I'm spending the entire South Beach strap match going, I wonder if these lights are going to go out again. And then they never did. It was just, you know, Cody went on and he won the match. And, and the lights going out never factored back into things during that match. And then I forgot about it throughout the show. Then we get to a segment where Arn Anderson's standing in the ring. And he more or less said, let's get right to it, which was almost like, does he mean like, let's get right to me getting kicked in the face by the guy who's debuting? But anyway, he comes out and he and Arn Anderson's about to cut a promo. The lights go out again. And when they come back on, Alistair Black is in the ring, delivers a kick to Arn Anderson, delivers a kick to Cody. And it's a very holy shit type moment. One of the reasons that it was a very big holy shit moment was I think most people were of the belief that if Malachi Black, Alistair Black, Tommy N was going to AEW, that he wouldn't be able to do so for a couple of months still. He was just released on June 2nd. And with the 90-day no-compete clauses that so many WWE wrestlers have, it was thought like, okay, well... It would be like September, maybe at All Out, maybe that's that's when he's going to show up. So when he was released last month, if you follow non-spoiler-free or spoiler-full wrestling news sites, there was a bunch of stories that came out about it. At first, there were stories that said there was a bunch of people in WWE who really felt that releasing Aleister Black was a bad idea and that they should sign him back up again. But then it was reported in the Wrestling Observer, more or less, hey, expect Aleister Black to show up in AEW. So it, it had kind of been reported that he was AEW bound and was not going back to WWE. Of course, we avoid reporting all of that, so then... You can enjoy it when Aleister Black just, just shows up. But even for people who knew that Black was on his way to AEW, it, it seems like most did not expect him to show up so soon. But as it turns out, Aleister Black did not have a 90-day no-compete clause with WWE. He only had a 30-day no-compete clause with WWE. 
And oddly enough, all of this information came out on Zelina Vega's Twitch channel. So remember last week we were talking about, okay, what happens with Zelina Vega's Twitch now? What happens with her all of her third-party deals? Does WWE own those now? Is she allowed to continue with those? Well, for the last week, Alistair Black, Tommy and Malachi Black, he's just been hosting her channel. So they've switched, right? Like Zelina Vegas was out of WWE for the last six months while he was still in it. And now they've switched. He's out of it and she's in it. So she's not hosting her Twitch, but he is. And so he's been giving away or revealing all these details about how how things came together. And so basically what he said was he still had the NXT no-compete clause. Even though he had been moved to the main roster, his contract still had the wording in it where it was only 30 days, not 90 days. So this is what he said on Twitch about how his AEW debut came to be. He said, once I found out that my contract was a tad different than the usual, referring to the 30 days instead of 90 days, I just came up with this idea. We made it a thing to make it available to as limited people as possible because that's how you keep it under wraps. Security, Cody Rhodes, and a few others. It may have been five or six total people. So I'm, so that's that's all the amount of people that knew Malachi Black was showing up on Dynamite. Maybe five or six. Maybe five or six people knew that he was showing up. He continued to say, It was all very last second. I feel like in modern day wrestling, there are a few moments to make a genuine surprise and get people to look your way. For me to sneak in, not be seen, dip and dive so they wouldn't see me, that took some skill. And he would continue to say on the stream that he actually pitched the idea for uh, for the lights to go out and for the lights to have gone out earlier in the night. He said, I pitched that idea and, I, and said, what if we do multiple blackouts throughout the show and insinuated the technical difficulties? Commentary did a great job getting that over and it came off great. And so now we've got Malachi Black, this very dark and brooding character in AEW. And this character, it's interesting because all of these vignettes had been airing on SmackDown to kind of build up his re-debut or his reinsertion into into storylines. And then he came out and he attacked Big E uh, in the closing segment of one episode of SmackDown, and then he was released less than two weeks later. But I think a lot of people had sort of been excited about where he was going on SmackDown, and they just dropped that, and now because he's only got a 30-day no-compete clause, he popped up in AEW, and this dark, brooding character who... He has alluded to Alistair Black having been Tommy End possessed by the devil. And now there's this Malachi Black who seems to be in a very similar situation. The, the words, the devil made me do it, pop up on the screen in the, in, to close his, that movie he put out on social media before he debuted. So there's a, there's a lot of very devil-like dark, evil, brooding stuff going on with Malachi Black, and he's just going to now take that to AEW, where the creative freedom looks to be a, a great deal stronger, and it looks like he's he's going to have far more support 
from management for his character in AEW than he did in WWE. And that's very interesting. It's very interesting now to see where this goes. It looks like he's moving into a feud with Cody Rhodes, right? He just kicked Arn Anderson in the head. He just kicked Cody Rhodes in the head. And Cody looks like he had a... Uh, a convincing victory over his last rival QT Marshall in a strap match. So is now Cody Rhodes moving into this feud with Malachi Black? We're just going to have to keep watching episodes of AEW Dynamite to see what Malachi Black does next. And it will be interesting to see how Cody Cody responds to what Malachi Black did on Dynamite this week. And we'll, we'll just see what Cody has to say next week. We'll see what Malachi Black does next week. And bad news for Bailey this week. Just hours before SmackDown went on the air this week, WWE revealed that Bailey suffered an injury in training and is going to be out about nine months. Nine months of no Bailey. And Bailey has been a perennial top of the card wrestler for WWE for so long. She held that SmackDown title for so long last year. Really the only period where she hasn't been in a major storyline in WWE was just while Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks were feuding for the SmackDown title for a couple of months there. Other than that, it's been all Bailey because she was the champion for forever until she lost it to Sasha Banks. And then... She was only out of the title picture while Sasha Banks uh, and Bianca Belair were feuding. And then when Sa- when Bianca Belair beat Sasha Banks at WrestleMania, then Bailey comes back into the picture as Belair's sort of first big challenger. But now she's gone. She's out for nine months. So little is known about what happened. Some stuff has kind of come out a, a little bit. But basically, they're, they were training to go back on the road. They're training at the Performance Center, doing drills, trying to get back into the, back into the groove so that they can go back out on, on the road where their matches aren't, aren't going to be... They're not going to be able to edit their matches. they got to be a little crisper, a little tighter. So they're, tra- they're training for that. And evidently during this training, uh, Bailey... It's, some are saying she may have torn her ACL. Uh, but it's something like that that's going to keep her out for nine months. Um, and this obviously changes what they had planned for Money in the Bank because Bailey and Bianca Belair were going to continue their feud there. So then SmackDown... S- SmackDown has a bunch of announcements regarding the women's division that really made it clear that as soon as they found out Bailey was injured, they went... <laughs> They went to NXT, they went to the Performance Center to see who all they can bring up to help make up for the, what is going to be a, a significant loss for that division. So three different women from NXT, uh, two of them made their main roster debuts on SmackDown, and one of them had their main roster debut advertised. So Sonya Deville announces uh, yesterday, Friday, during the day, that she is going to reveal who Belair's next challenger is, who's going to be Bailey's replacement at Money in the Bank. But then uh, Sonya Deville comes out and says, actually, Belair's not going to defend the title at Money in the Bank. She's going to defend the title next week, uh, SmackDown, back on the road, 
it's going to be Bianca Belair defending against Carmella. This brings out Liv Morgan, who's like, I keep beating Carmella, and you keep giving Carmella title shots and shots at Money in the Bank. Uh, Devil says, you know what? Fine, you're in Money in the Bank. Okay. So I think a lot of people had thought, all right, that whoever Devil uh, Deville, saying Sonia Deville's last name on its own, I can't seem to get it right. Deval, Deville, Sonia Deville. I think a lot of people thought that she would announce someone's being called up for NXT and that from NXT, and that's the person who will then go on to face Bianca Belair. That's not what happened, but three different women now are moving to the SmackDown women's division. We had N- Natalia and Tamina came out and sort of issued a non-title open challenge, and out came Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox out on Shotzi's tank, which I thought was interesting that, well, I mean, Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox getting called up. I think you can understand why that's happening, right? But, I mean, they're obviously both great. But Shotzi Blackheart has had this tag team with Ember Moon in NXT. They've been the NXT tag team champion. So why why is it Shotzi and Tegan not, Knox and not Shotzi and Ember Moon? And I wonder if that's because Ember Moon was already on the main roster and then opted to go back to NXT. So she's not a new face to Vince McMahon, right? But Tegan Knotts and Shotzi Blackheart still are. So that's where Shotzi and Tegan Knox get put, put together, and Ember still is likely hanging out in NXT, which is good for NXT. So Shotzi and Knox come out. They beat Natalia and Tamina. Shotzi Blackheart pins Natalia. Her main roster debut. And so now, obviously, they are very likely to get a a crack at the Women's Tag Team Championships, possibly at Money in the Bank, maybe? Who knows? But a very big opportunity for both Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. The other name that was advertised as being called up to the SmackDown Women's Division, likely to make up for the loss of Bayley, is Tony Storm. That's good. That's very good that Tony Storm's being called up because she's a very talented wrestler, very fun to watch. I think Tony Storm is going to have a um, a massive run on the main roster. I think she's someone that a lot of people will get behind. But this is sort of a blow to the NXT women's division. I mean, they're taking a, uh, I mean, Tony Storm, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox had just re-debuted, so she wasn't really in the mix. Um, of course, you've seen, you've got recent debuts in that division too, like Frankie Monet. So, but definitely, you can tell as soon as they figured out that Bailey was going to be gone for nine months, they were like, "We need to replace her. We need to replace her with three women." So Bailey's replacement is Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox, and Tony Storm. That shows you just how highly they think of Bailey in WWE. Jimmy Uso was arrested and charged with DUI this week. It's the third time he has been charged with that offense. The first time occurred in 2011 in Florida. He was uh, charged with DUI in Hillsborough County. He was sentenced to probation. He was then arrested again in 2013 for violating that probation by driving with a suspended license. Then everything's fine with him for a few years, up until we get to February 2019, when he's arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and obstruction of justice, 
he wasn't driving the car, but it was him and Naomi. They were in Detroit. They were leaving a show. They're coming out of a parking lot. Naomi turns the wrong way coming out of the parking lot, which causes her to be going the wrong way on a one-way street. So they get pulled over. Naomi hasn't been drinking, but Jimmy apparently has been drinking enough for the two of them, and this causes some problems. The police actually released body cam footage of Jimmy Uso's arrest that day, and it definitely seems like he was drunk and maybe annoying the cops a little bit, like he took his shirt off and was all walking around outside uh, or, or whatever, and then they just put him back in the police car and decided to to arrest him. It, the body cam footage didn't really show him doing much of anything other than kind of being drunk. But somehow he, he, he got arrested for disorderly conduct and obstructive, obstruction of justice there, and all that ended up happening was he had to pay a $450 fine. So that was that technically wasn't a DUI. He wasn't driving. Naomi was driving. But then a few months later, he does get arrested for, for DUI, this time in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, he, was, he was charged with DUI, but he ended up going to trial for it in December, and he got off. All of, he was found not guilty. So those charges did not stick. However, then we get to this week, and he was pulled over 10.35 p.m. on Monday evening. They say he had ran a red light and was going 15 miles per hour over the speed limit. They registered a breathalyzer test that came back at 0.202 and another one that came back at 0.205, which is more than Florida's legal limit of 0.08. So he was charged with DUI. Now, anytime that this happens with a wrestler in WWE, anytime that this <laughs> happened with uh, Jimmy Uso. There's always these people going, oh, you got to fire them. It's time to fire these guys. You got to send a message. You got to fire these guys. Whatever your opinion on what the person's employer is, WWE's position on this has been very clear for a few years. They don't fire people for DUIs. They don't. They don't take any action whatsoever. Whether it's Jimmy Uso, whether it's Jeff Hardy, whether it was Santino, they don't do it. Um, maybe it would be different if he got into an accident and hurt somebody. Maybe that would be different. I don't know. But their policy on it is that they don't get involved for DUIs. So, and this always happens because a bunch of like, like people who just started working in wrestling media will always be like, I'm going to contact WWE and we're going to find out if they're going to fire Jimmy Uso. They always get back the same message. The message is, Jimmy Uso is responsible for his own actions. That's it. That's the blanket statement WWE sends out every time somebody is arrested for DUI. It is not in their human resources policy to take any action on them whatsoever. So whatever your opinion on that is, whatever your opinion is. But this has been clear, obvious, and not something that they've hid from for 30 years. Um, they do have a policy, in, like, domestic abuse, zero tolerance. You're gone. Um, any type of, like, violent crime, zero tolerance. You're gone. And you could argue, well, a, a DUI could become a, 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 a violent crime. Hey, that, yes, you're right. But in I'm just saying WWE's perspective on this 
it's not something they ever take action on. So if you're expecting Jimmy Uso to get released, if you're expecting him to to face any consequences from WWE whatsoever from this, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. Now, what I think maybe can could come from this is that one thing WWE will do is if somebody's got a problem with with substance abuse, they will send them to rehab. They will pay for the rehab. They've made no secret of that. No matter how little a time you were employed by WWE, as part of the WWE wellness policy, if you think you need to go to rehab, they'll pay for it. So Jimmy Uso was sort of gone from WWE for a long time. I mean, he was injured. And I think maybe a lot of people had hoped that something like that was going on, that he was getting uh, a treatment for an alcohol problem. But unfortunately, on July 5th, we've got evidence that, uh, that Jimmy Uso still is, is encountering problems in this area. So some unfortunate news regarding Terry Funk came out this week. And of course... Terry Funk has got to be one of, if not the most well-respected wrestling legends of all time. Like, who doesn't love Terry Funk? And he's so influential to the current generation of wrestlers, as, as well as, like, the generation that came before those guys, too. Everybody loves Terry Funk. Unfortunately... Some bad news regarding Terry Funk came out this week. Um, this all got going when Don Morocco was on his podcast, which is interesting because I didn't know that Don Morocco had a podcast. His, you know, Don Morocco of Fuji Vice, the magnificent Morocco. Uh, so anyway, he's on his podcast and he is basically just talking about how people of his generation a lot of them are starting to get older. A lot of them are starting to deal with cognitive decline. A lot of them are starting to, to deal with various health issues. And he mentioned, kind of in passing, that he had heard that Terry Funk had been moved to an assisted living facility. This then led to the website PW Insider. They put out a little post saying that they could confirm this as being true, that that uh, Terry Funk had been moved to an assisted living facility. He's 77 years old. He's had some health problems. Um, then later in the day, the official Twitter account for Terry Funk put out a comment, and uh, this is what it read. It said, yes, Mr. Funk is currently receiving resi residential care for his multiple health issues, which do affect his mind as well as the rest of his body, uh, which was alluding to Morocco's comments about Funk uh, having experienced some cognitive decline. And, uh, so the statement continues, as you can imagine, some days are better than others. He and his family appreciate all of your kind words forever. Um, that's They wrote forever, all in caps with an exclamation mark at the end. So that's that's what I said. A little while later, Tommy Dreamer put out a statement and he mentioned that he just got off the phone with Terry Funk. And Dreamer said, everyone needs to relax. I just got off the phone with Terry Funk. He is not in bad health. He loves everyone talking about him. And this is a direct quote from the Frunker. I'm currently sitting in an assisted living place with my thumb up my ass, whistling Dixie, but I don't remember the words. So that certainly sounds 
like how Terry Funk would respond to, you know, being put in a, a an assisted living facility. But I, it should be noted that he's had uh, he had a hernia surgery, which he didn't really take care of after he got the surgery. He was advised not to travel. He did so anyway. This ended up uh, causing more problems with his hernia. So he's had sort of like physical mobility problems that have prevented him from traveling a little bit. He's 77 years old. He took a lot of shots to the head during his career, too. There's going to be some cognitive decline there. But I think Tommy Dreamer's comments were are very important. Like, look, just, just because somebody is experiencing um, some cognitive decline, just because somebody's in an assisted living facility, they're not dead. They're not gone. Terry Funk is is not uh, about to expire imminently. He's living in a place that can help him be as comfortable as possible, lead the best life possible. He's got lots of family. He's got lots of fans and friends that he can communicate with on the phone or they can come and visit him. Um, it's really unfortunate he, he's not able to travel, but I guess one thing about this that, that, that sort of got me is when a lot of people heard this, they were like, you know, reacting like this was the end for Terry Funk. And that's not the case. Um, you know, certainly Funk is, is getting older and he's experiencing very common things that come from getting older. Um, but I think Tommy Dreamer's comments here were, are very important. Like everyone needs to relax. I just got off the phone with Terry Funk. He's not in bad health. He loves everyone talking about him. He's cracking jokes and, and I think that is what everybody should should focus on here is that, you know, Terry Funk's still with us. He's still, you know, maybe maybe he's not as quick as he used to. Maybe he, you know, maybe there's been some cognitive decline. Maybe he's not in the best health ever, but he's he's still with us. He's still communicating with with his friends on the phone and and all this. So so it's unfortunate the news about Terry Funk, but uh, it, it's perhaps not as unfortunate as, as maybe some people are treating it as. On Dynamite this week, the cameras didn't really catch it, although Jericho did mention it during his segment with MJF, but a fan jumped the guardrail and kind of got up on the ramp. Security got a hold of the guy. There was footage that came out. Uh, we linked to it on the website somewhere probably on the Thursday update. And uh, Jericho got in kind of a cheap shot while the guy was all held up. But, you know, anyway. So somebody purporting, purporting to be that guy has popped up on Twitter. Now, everyone is treating it as this guy is the guy, which might be the case. Who, who friggin' knows? But he posted yesterday. He posts on Twitter, and he sent a message to Jim Cornette and Jim Cornette's podcast co-host saying more or less, look, I did this for you guys. This is what he said. So this is the, his name is Fat Bastard on, on Twitter. And his bio reads, Chris Jericho punches like a bitch and I saw piss running down MJF's leg. It's a very classy individual here. So he writes on Twitter to Jim Cornette, and Jim Cornette's co-host, he goes, how did you like my AEW debut? I did this for all of us real wrestling fans. Wrestling is no longer a safe space for friends to dance around and play dress up. 
Reality can hit at any time. Did they think it's going to be fucking playtime forever? Well, so, this has started a bit of a, again, a, a brouhaha, a hullabaloo, because now the idea is, look, Jim Cornette has been doing this for years. He's been running down... Um, yeah, he's been running down AEW, running down modern wrestling, saying it's all crap or whatever. But now what's happened is one of his followers, one of his supporters, has come out and has caused a disruption on AEW television, has hopped the rails at AEW television, done something very dangerous on AEW television, and is now saying online, I did it for you. I did it for you, Jim Cornette. And, and people like you, who think like you, think like us, who hate this modern-day wrestling. Well, Jim Cornette needed to kind of disavow this guy, and he did that pretty quick. So this is what Jim Cornette wrote back to the guy. He goes, Got news for you, dipshit. The ring is sacred ground for us, and even if you and a lot of others think you can kick the shit out of the Young Bucks, I would have turned you into a tennis racket popsicle, and you're lucky someone there didn't gut you like a fish. And you're blocked. So, I mean, he needed to do that immediately, right? Like, um, because you, you, he, Jim Cornette's got to make sure the, the rest of his followers know, no, don't do that. If you do that, I'm, I'm going to eviscerate you online kind of thing. And so Chris Jericho responds to this guy as well. Chris Jericho, who's punched the guy in the face, writes, do you really think Jim Cornette would condone this, you fucking loser? Jimmy would have shoved a tennis racket up your ass and smashed your car windows. Well, so Chris Jericho not holding back on this guy. But then Kenny Omega put out some comments, like, early this morning. And it wasn't in response to the guy who jumped the rail. It wasn't in, in that thread, like... Like, Jericho and Jim Cornette responded to the guy who jumped the rail directly. Kenny Omega just put out a tweet. And it sounds very much like this tweet was sent to Jim Cornette, even if Jim Cornette wasn't addressed directly or tagged in the post. This is what Kenny Omega said. Is it finally time to assume some, uh, to assume some bit... Ha! Ah, let's just try this again. Is it finally time to assume some responsibility and dial the online persona back a bit? Your low IQ man-children have evolved from parroting your comments to actually acting out in attempted violence. So basically, what, what Kenny Omega is saying here is, all right, enough is enough, Cornette. Now we've reached a stage where people following you are now invading shows, jumping the rail, doing things that put other people at risk. Hey, Cornette, maybe it's time to dial back your online persona. Stop being this hate machine that is motivating others to hate modern wrestling. I probably It probably is time for Jim Cornette to do that. It's probably always been time for Jim Cornette to do that. All right, we should just talk a little bit about New Japan Pro Wrestling before we go into the schedule for the upcoming week. Uh, unfortunately, things continue to be very difficult for New Japan Pro Wrestling during the pandemic. Uh, another state of, uh, of an emergency has been declared. Of course, the Tokyo Olympics are, are coming up 
later this month, however, the, they have announced that fans won't be in attendance for, uh, for many of the events. Uh, so it, it's, I, I mean, it, COVID is not under, is not under control and this is still going to impact new Japan pro wrestling. It's going to impact their ticket sales and it's going to impact Russell grand slam, uh, scheduled for later this month. Now, we are hearing that New Japan is going to go through with Wrestle Grand Slam, so we are going to get Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi. However, I mean, I, I think it still could be the case that no fans would be in attendance for the show. Uh, I think they might just sort of be thinking, like, look, we've, we've just got to keep moving forward here. We, we had to cancel Wrestle Grand Slam a couple of months ago when we had a COVID outbreak on our roster and also Will Ospreay was hurt and had to vacate the title. I think we, we need to just keep moving forward in whatever way we can, even if there are not fans in attendance. Um, so that's a blow. I mean, Wrestle Grand Slam, I think they were hoping to make some money from that. They're, even if it goes ahead, I, it's, they're not going to make money from it. Um, but, you know, for wrestling fans, for New Japan Pro Wrestling fans, they're, they're, they're going to put out that Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi match, hopefully. Now, news came out this morning that Kota Ibushi is off the Summer Struggle Tour currently, although they're hoping he'll be back on shortly. He has experienced some side effects due to the vaccine. So, I, I mean, lots of people experience side effects. Uh, due to the vaccine, I mean he'll be he'll be okay to compete in in a few weeks at Wrestle Grand Slam, but um, that does prevent them from doing things on the Summer Struggle Tour to to help build up that match between the two. Another thing that New Japan Pro Wrestling announced is that the G1 tournament this year is going to run mid September to mid October, similar to it uh, to what it did last year. Whereas most years it, it's during August, it's in the summer. Uh, this year. Uh, being pushed back. So New Japan Pro Wrestling, it seems like their attitude is just keep pushing forward. Just keep pushing forward. Do what we can. Do what we can. And hopefully things will be better soon. And that first show that they're finally able to pack people back in the, into the Tokyo Dome again is going to be a real big deal for New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> All right, and before we go again for this week, let's run down what is coming up in the world of professional wrestling over the next week. We'll start with WWE, and it's a big week for WWE. They head out back on the road. Their first show back on the road is going to be Nick's SmackDown. So Monday's episode of Raw is taped already. It was from the Thunderdome. That's going to be the last Thunderdome show. Then we move on to SmackDown. But let's take a look at what we got coming up on Raw. So Raw, we've got a Falls Count Anywhere match between John Morrison and Ricochet. So this is going to be the third time in a row that these two have wrestled. And of course, they're both in the Money in the Bank match uh, coming up on, uh, on Sunday there. Uh, so Morrison defeated Ricochet by countout last week. They went to a double countout the week before. So now a Falls Count Anywhere match continues their rivalry. We've also got a United States Championship match as Sheamus defends against Humberto Carrillo. And then we've got two singles matches that are building up an upcoming Raw tag team title match, which is going to happen in two weeks, between the Viking Raiders and the champions AJ Styles and Omos. So those teams will face off in singles action this week 
in two singles matches when Eric takes on Omos and AJ Styles takes on Ivar. And then also in non-title action, we've got Bobby Lashley will face Xavier Woods in a match that will build up the Bobby Lashley-Kofi Kingston match, which will take place at Money in the Bank. Then we move to SmackDown next Friday night, which will take place from the Toyota Center in Houston. And as was announced by Sonya Deville on SmackDown this week, Bianca Belair will defend her SmackDown Women's Championship match on that show against Carmella. That is a match that was originally, well, it was originally supposed to be Bailey, but it was originally supposed to be on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which will take place uh, a week from tomorrow, so on Sunday, July 18th, and just running down what we've got uh, scheduled for that card. We've got the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match has King Nakamura versus John Morrison versus Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet versus Big E versus Riddle. We've got the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, which is Asuka versus Naomi versus Nikki Cross versus Zelina Vega versus Alexa Bliss versus Liv Morgan, who was recently an announced for the match. Carmella was removed from the match because she's going to get a title shot on Friday. And so there are still two spots left in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. We've got the Raw Women's Championship match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. And their whole angle is about... How, who who can be the better at cheating? Who can be the, the biggest heel between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair? And it's almost, it's almost like Charlotte Flair is mentoring her in that role. Uh, as we mentioned before, we've got the WWE Championship match as Bobby Lashley will defend against Kofi Kingston and the WWE Universal Championship match when Roman Reigns takes on Edge. And that's what's coming up in WWE over the next week. Now, starting on Tuesday, it is also a big week for Impact Wrestling because they are building to the Slammiversary pay-per-view on July 17th, so next Saturday. They got four matches scheduled for the July 15th show, which is on Access TV and Twitch. And they've got um, Doc Gallows versus Falaba versus Joe Doring versus Willie Mack in a four-way match that's previewing the tag team title match that'll take place at Slammiversary. They've got a four-way tag title match uh, coming up on that show. Then there is an eight-man tag, or is it eight? Eight or six? No, eight men. And this is building up the X Division Ultimate X match coming up at Slammiversary. So X Division champion Josh Alexander is going to team with Chris Bay, Trey Miguel, and Petey Williams. And they're going to take on the team of Rohit Raju, Ace Austin, Madman Fulton, and Shara. Havoc will take on Tasha Steeles in a match which is previewing the Knockouts Tag Team title match at Slammiversary between Fire and Flava and Havoc and Rosemary. And then in a match which doesn't preview anything happen happening at Slammiversary, Jordan Grace and Rachel, Ra Rachel Ellering are going to take on Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K. Then on Saturday, Impact Wrestling presents its annual Slammiversary show. And much like last year, this show is being built up on the idea that many or a few or at least some of the names that were released by WWE back this spring could end up on this show. I'm not going to speculate as to who those names could be, but one of those names is going to debut very likely 
during the Knockouts Championship match. So this week on Impact, Deanna Perrazzo is in the ring. Basically, you know, at this point, Perrazzo has cleaned out the division. Gail Kim comes out, which no doubt probably led to a lot of people hoping that Gail Kim will face Deanna Perrazzo at Slammiversary. But Gail Kim said, nope, I'm still retired. Here's the thing. You're going to defend your title on the pay-per-view, but you're not going to know who you, the, your opponent is ahead of time. It's Deanna Perrazzo versus a mystery opponent at Slammiversary, and you would have to imagine that that's an opportunity for them to bring out a surprise debut, a surprise return, a surprise of some sort to come out and face Deanna Perrazzo. And you know they're looking... You know they're looking for a name that's going to really have an impact on the Knockouts division of what is already a very good division. So that was announced this week for Slammiversary. We've got six other matches that are confirmed for Slammiversary. They'll take place next Saturday. They are Eddie Edwards versus W. Morrissey. W. Morrissey is big cast, and he is killing it in Impact Wrestling. First of all, he's a giant. Evidently, when, when Enzo Amore kept saying he's seven feet tall and you can't teach that, well, that size seems to come off as far more intimidating, far more dominating even in impact than it does in WWE. Add to the fact that he's gotten ripped, right? Like he is now muscular, which is something he wasn't really before. Whatever he's been doing at DDP's crib has really been agreeing with W. Morrissey. And his whole plotline and impact right now is there's no friends in wrestling. People might act like they are your friend, but if, but if you go through a tough time, they'll turn on you. They'll turn on you just like they did me. Oh, it's awesome. W. Morrissey and Impact, this is easily the best work that he's ever done. He's taken his game to a whole other level. If he keeps doing this, by the end of his Impact contract, somebody is going to offer him a big money deal, or Impact is going to offer him a big money deal. W. Morrissey, doing a lot of great things for his career in the short amount of time that he's been in Impact so far, he'll take on Eddie Edwards on the show. The storyline here is Eddie Edwards was scheduled to wrestle Satoshi Kojima, but Morrissey attacked Edwards before he could make it to the ring. I think this was when Eddie Edwards actually had appendicitis. But anyway, Eddie Edwards doesn't make it to the match because Morrissey attacked him. And so now Eddie Edwards is going to get revenge. They're going to face off on the pay-per-view. Uh, also at Slammiversary, Moose will take on Chris Sabin in singles competition. Moose attacked Chris Sabin at Swinger's Palace this week when Sabin was having uh, an earnest conversation with one of the Swingerellas about her cat's recent surgery. We've also got the Ultimate X match. It, it was just a scene they did in Impact. I thought it was funny. Anyway, <laughs> they have the Ultimate X match is scheduled for uh, for Slammiversary. Josh Alexander defending against Rohit Raju, Chris Bay, Trey Miguel, Ace Austin, and Petey Williams. The Knockouts Tag Team Championships at Slammiversary. We'll see Fire and Flavor defend against Rosemary and Havoc. Uh, the Impact Tag Team Championships will be on the line as Violent by Design defends against the Good Brothers. Uh, Willie Mack and Rich Swan and TJP and Falaba in a four-way tag title match. As we mentioned before, the Knockouts Championship will be on the line when Gianna Perrazzo defends against a mystery opponent. And then 
the big impact world championship match between Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan. That should be a really good match. I have a feeling Sammy Callahan style and Kenny Omega style are going to blend together really nicely. On NXT this week, on the Tuesday night, they got a very big match scheduled as part of the fallout from the Great American Bash last week. NXT Championship on the line with Samoa Joe as the special guest referee. Karrion Cross is going to defend against Johnny Gargano. So a very big match on NXT this week. But let's close off this week's show by running down the upcoming matches for AEW. They return to the road on Wednesday night at the HEB Center in Cedar Park, Texas for night one of Fighter Fest. It's funny, I remember Fighter Fest, this is the third version of it now. And I remember after the first one, Tony Khan kind of saying like, well, I don't think we can do Fighter Fest again because the joke isn't going to really land. Because the, it, it was all in reference to Fire Festival. Anyway, Fighter Fest... Now a yearly thing. It looks like it's going to continue to be a thing long past when everybody has forgotten all about the Fire Festival. Anyway, here's what's on tap for night one of Fighter Fest at the HEB Center in Cedar Park, Texas. The FTW Championship is on the line as Team Taz implodes. Brian Cage will defend that title against absolute Ricky Starks. Yuka Sakazaki returns to AEW, she'll face Penelope Ford. And we've got two wily veterans continuing a rivalry that dates back to the 1990s when Matt Hardy goes up against Christian Cage. We've also got the IWGP United States Championship on the line when John Moxley defends against Machine Gun Carl Anderson. And I kind of wonder if this match is going to play into New Japan Pro Wrestling's building up of the Resurgence pay-per-view, which is going to take place next month in August. Both Carl Anderson and John Moxley are advertised for being on that show. We've only got one match announced for Resurgence so far, and that's Jay White defending against David Finley. So IWGP United States Championship on the line, John Moxley versus Carl Anderson uh, on night one of Fighter Fest. That should be really interesting. Also night one of Fighter Fest, we'll have the Coffin match as Darby Allen against Ethan Page. That should be very interesting. Uh, in terms of other matches announced for AEW, Fighter Fest Night 2, we've got the AEW Women's World Championship on the line, and Britt Baker will defend against Nyla Rose. And that's going to do us for this week. Again, you are now completely up to date on everything that is making headlines in the world of pro wrestling, minus anything that could potentially spoil your future enjoyment of the shows. My name is Gentleman Ian, and thank you so much for supporting these shows, the website, the YouTube channel. Thanks very much, and I look forward to talking to you about wrestling again next week.